Hello and welcome to One Time Pod, the official podcast of Dr. Breath's cryptography writing seminar that explores cryptography throughout history. I'm your host, Kyle Schroeder, a freshman student at Vanderbilt University. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the Typex machine, the British military's primary encryption method during World War II. When you think of World War II encryption, you probably think of the Enigma machine, the system used by the German military. After all, it's one of the most famous and formidable encryption systems in history. You probably think that even though it was eventually cracked, Enigma was the strongest code to be seen throughout the duration of the war, right? Wrong. What many people don't know is that there was an even bigger and badder cipher machine used by the other side during World War II. This lesser known piece of technology was called Typex and was developed by the British military as their primary encryption tool during World War II. The history of the Typex machine begins in the 1920s, several years before the start of the war. The British government had previously been using book codes to encrypt their messages, but they began to grow suspicious that this system was insecure and inefficient. As a result, they began seeking a replacement and formed a committee to consider some sort of cipher machine as an alternative. For several years, the committee was unable to decide on a particular design to adopt. Eventually, however, they settled on a design proposed by Royal Air Force Commander OGW Lywood. The design was inspired by the German Enigma machine, but it had a few major upgrades, including more rotors and a built-in printer. It was initially called the RAF Enigma with Type-X attachments, but later simplified to just Type-X. In 1935, the first Type-X prototype was constructed and distribution went underway. Over the course of the next few years and throughout World War II, the design of the machine evolved as new functions were added to further improve security and convenience. Although the Typex machine evolved throughout the war, most of its key components remained unchanged. As you might imagine, the design was fairly complicated but I'll do my best to describe it in a way that's easy to understand. Like Enigma, Typex was a rotor machine with multiple scramblers and a reflector all connected to a typewriter. As with a typical typewriter, each letter on the keyboard was connected to a wire, which connected to a corresponding letter on the printer. But instead of having a direct connection between the letter typed and the letter printed, the wires looped through a complex scrambling system on their path from keyboard to printer, reconnecting to the printer at a completely different corresponding letter. In the context of cipher machines, a scrambler, also known as a rotor, is essentially a round piece of machinery with a highly complex internal wiring setup. Its purpose is to scramble letters of the alphabet so that when one goes in, another comes out. Each Typex machine came with eight standard rotors, but only used five at a time. Some combination of the eight rotors would be set up in the five available slots and set to one of 26 possible starting positions, all indicated by the key. Furthermore, each rotor could be oriented in two ways, forward or backward, adding more variability. The first, second, and third rotors were rotational. After each letter was typed, they would rotate to a new configuration so that the connections between the wires changed. But unlike Enigma, the Type-X rotors moved in an irregular stepping pattern. In the Enigma machine, the first rotor would move one step each time a letter was typed, and after one complete cycle of 26 letters, a notch on the rotor would cause the second rotor to move one step. Similarly, after the second rotor completed a 26-letter cycle, the third rotor would move one step. 
While this allowed for a large number of unique rotor arrangements before eventually resetting, it resulted in a predictable pattern. And as any good cryptanalyst knows, patterns are not good for security. They can be exploited by a clever enemy, as evident by what happened at Bletchley Park when the British cracked Enigma. But that's a different story. To avoid this pattern, the creators of Typex added multiple notches to the rotors at different points. Consequently, the movement of the rotors with each letter typed was irregular and therefore much more difficult to predict. This added an extra layer of security. The last two rotors were stationary and did not change position with each letter typed. These basically served to provide another layer of encryption to the first three rotors without the extra complication of rotating. Then there was the reflector. The reflector was also a sort of scrambler, but it worked a little bit differently than the rotors. Instead of passing the scrambled signal through, it would flip it around and send it back through the final rotor at whatever letter the particular wire corresponded to. Now, let's put all of this together and go through the encryption process. Before typing out the message, the sender and intended recipient had to agree on a key detailing the order and initial configuration of the rotors. The sender would set up the machine accordingly and could then proceed to type out his message. When a plain text letter was typed on the keyboard, an electrical signal would essentially follow the convoluted path through the entire machine. First, it would pass through the rotors, each of which were internally wired to scramble the message around. Then it passed through the reflector and went back through the rotors a second time, scrambling it even further. At the end of the line, the signal connected back to a particular letter on the printer, which was never the same as the letter it started as. This final letter was printed onto a strip of paper to create the ciphertext. Due to the movement of the rotors, the path each wire took through the machine changed with each letter typed. As a result, the same letter typed several times in a row would appear as a different letter in the ciphertext each time. When the encrypted message was completed, it could then be transmitted by radio or telegraph to the intended recipient. From there, decryption was very straightforward. Due to the unique qualities of the reflector, typing the ciphertext into the Typex machine actually spits out the original plaintext, as long as the rotors are configured correctly. Since the intended recipient knew the key, he knew all the configuration details for his own machine. Therefore, the decryption process was as simple as typing in the encrypted message and watching the machine print the original plaintext. While it was extremely easy for sender and intended recipient to communicate with Typex, an outsider trying to interpret their messages was practically hopeless. This was due to the enormous number of possible keys. The number of initial settings due to rotor configuration alone was over 2.5 trillion. For comparison, the Enigma machine only had roughly 1 million rotor configurations. The addition of plugboard cables later on allowed pairs of letters to be swapped, drastically increasing the number of possible initial settings and therefore the number of keys. The sheer number of possible keys alone was enough to ensure that cryptanalysis would be practically impossible at the time. As a result, Typex was never cracked. In fact, the Germans never really even put serious effort into attempting to crack Typex. They recognized that it was even more complicated than their own Enigma machine, which they believed to be unbreakable. Therefore, they figured that Typex was clearly also unbreakable, so they gave up on cryptanalysis after only six weeks. Ironically, the British cryptanalysts at Bletchley Park, led by Alan Turing, actually managed to crack Enigma, which the Germans did not know. Had they known that Enigma was vulnerable, it's possible that they might have tried harder to break Typex, 
and with enough resources, creativity, and patience, who knows, maybe they would have found a way. The security of Typex allowed the British military to communicate in absolute secrecy throughout the duration of the war. As time went on, the machine evolved in ways that made it even more secure, as well as more convenient and easier to use. For example, the Typex Mark III was a much more portable variant, providing greater flexibility for use in combat zones. Further down the line, the Typex Mark XXII added plugboards that drastically increased the number of possible initial settings. In 1943, the British and American militaries agreed to modify their respective machines, the British Typex, and a similar American machine known as Sagaba, to make them compatible with each other. These modifications resulted in what was called the Combined Cipher Machine, or CCM for short, which allowed the British and Americans to encrypt and decrypt communications to each other without developing a brand new machine. This ability made it easier for the Allied forces to coordinate military activity and exchange intel without the risk of the enemy tapping in. Even after World War II, the CCM version of the Type-X was used for communication between other countries, including countries within the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It's estimated that Type-X continued to be used regularly for military and government communication until 1955. Today, the Type-X machine is no longer a practical encryption system. Modern computers could determine the key to a message simply by using brute force and testing every possible configuration. However, let us not forget that in its time, the Type-X was one of the most secure methods of cryptography available. It was a product of genius engineering that acted as a stepping stone in the evolution of modern technology. Without it, it's possible that the Germans would have been able to decipher British communications during World War II. If that were the case, who knows how the war would have played out differently. Thank you so much for tuning in to One Time Pod. I hope you found this episode interesting and informative. I've been your host, Kyle Schroeder. Until next time.